This episode of Capital Health Headlines about COVID-19 was recorded on March 31st, 2020. With nonstop media coverage and social media on fire about coronavirus and the disease it causes, COVID-19, it can be easy to lose track of what's factual and what's just speculation or rumor. So we're going to spend the next few minutes going over what is actually known to be true about COVID-19 so you can make the best decisions for you, your family, and your community. This is Capital Health Headlines, the podcast from Capital Health. I'm Michael Carice, and our expert guide today is Dr. Mark Whitman, a board-certified infectious disease specialist with Capital Health System. So, Dr. Whitman, you specialize in dealing with infections, actually, that are that are difficult to diagnose. Would you put COVID-19 in that category? I would say in the beginning, it posed some challenges, but as we have more and more cases and more community uh, spread of COVID-19, it's becoming more common and it's been having a relatively typical um, picture in most presentations. So it's, it's less difficult to diagnose. We just have had challenges with our, our testing, getting results back in a timely fashion. What is the latest on testing availability? And are you at this point, you know, public health officials seem to be saying two things. One is we want to do a lot of testing so we know what's out there so we can track it and know what to expect. But on the other hand, if you have symptoms that are mild, we don't necessarily want you to be tested because we don't want you to create risk by doing so to yourself or the healthcare providers, and there's not enough tests. So how do you sort all that out? Well, ideally, from an epidemiologic standpoint, it would be helpful to know everyone, everyone's COVID-19 status, but we don't have the ability, and to date, we haven't had those testing kits available. Um, I work inpatient at Capital Health, and we, we prioritize the people that we test, we we prioritize that to be anyone who's admitted to the hospital. We need to get their test as soon as possible because we have to be able to identify who's positive and who isn't so we can have them appropriately managed and placed within the hospital setting. We need to get those results back so we can make sure we're treating everyone appropriately. We also prioritize healthcare workers who come in with symptoms because we need to know their status as soon as possible so we can manage how we're going to deal with them being out and staffing issues. We tend to prioritize also those with what we call comorbidities or other illnesses. But essentially what I've been doing, because I work inpatient, is we we prioritize those that get admitted. Um, we haven't had the test to test everyone who comes. So, if, you know, we've, we've encouraged people, if you have mild symptoms like fever and cough, and you're not having anything associated with that to be concerned such as shortness of breath, that you stay at home and isolate yourself at home and socially distance yourself um, as best as possible, but don't go out. We encourage that. And then if you have symptoms that worsen, then you come to the hospital for evaluation. So we haven't been promoting testing those individuals who aren't enough to come to the hospital. Since we have to get the results back as fast as possible, and those that are the sickest, those that are hospitalized, and there are healthcare workers. Totally understandable. So fever and cough uh, seem to be the, the main things there. But as you say, the when the breathing gets labored, that's probably when you should get more worried about it? Some of that depends on your risk category. If you're over 65, we'd be a little more concerned. Um, but essentially, the symptom that we become most concerned about is, is shortness of breath. That may be shortness of breath at rest, or if you're finding yourself getting more short of breath, when you're doing activities, walking up the stairs at home, um, walking around the house, 
or those kind of things. If you find out that you're doing minimal exertion, you're having shortness of breath, especially if it's something that you're not normally used to dealing with or something they don't typically have, that's something that you may want to reach out and talk to your physician. Um, physicians aren't seeing as many patients in the office, but most primary care physicians are providing uh, um, telemedicine through video or by phone. And that's something to reach out to them and discuss. And they, they can help you decide whether or not you might need uh, care. And they would typically refer you to the emergency department. And what does this virus actually do physiologically? It causes shortness of breath because it's creating fluid in the lungs or what's happening? So the virus is a virus that causes um, respiratory tract infection. It could be minor, causing something um, similar to, you know, if you've ever had a upper respiratory tract infection um, that causes cough or maybe low-grade fever. Um, but what happens with this virus is it, it causes an inflammatory reaction in the lung itself, so what we call lower respiratory tract infection, so an infection involving the lung tissue. It gets into the lung tissue and causes infection um, associated with this inflammatory reaction, which uh, looks like pneumonia. It's not specifically fluid, but if you were to look at a chest x-ray of someone who had heart failure, for instance, with fluid in the lung, it looked very similar to someone who has a COVID-19 infection of the lung. So in terms of treating it, what options do you have? There's no specific approved treatment for coronavirus. The most readily available treatment um, is what you probably read about, something called azithromycin, which is an antibiotic that's often used to treat certain types of respiratory tract infections. And there's another medication which everyone's you know, been talking about, which is hydroxychloroquine. Um, that's, a, that's similar to chloroquine. Um, the uh, chloroquine has not really been very available in the United States for quite some time, but hydroxychloroquine has because it's used to treat certain rheumatologic conditions. So it's been readily available um, that medication has some antiviral properties, and in anecdotal studies, it's been shown to be effective in decreasing the amount of virus um, that people shed or the amount of virus that can be detected um, when you do a, um, a swab of the nasopharynx or a swab of the oropharynx or a test for DNA particles from uh, respiratory secretions. So it's been shown to do that, and some physicians that have looked at that, especially, for instance, in France and also in China, and have used it, and they, they're stating that there is efficacy for using either hydroxychloroquine alone or hydroxychloroquine in combination with azithromycin. But these aren't controlled studies. That means um, we, we still don't know for sure whether that's effective, and they're just more scientific research has to be looked at to do that. But since it's readily available, that's something many of us have been using since there really is no other specific treatment. There's other medications in the pipeline. There's an antiviral called remdesivir that um, is available at one point for what we call compassion use, and now it's entering what they call an expanded access phase. And that's going to be looked at by the company that makes it um, to see whether that's effective against the uh, COVID-19. Or coronavirus. I want to make sure we're going over some of the basics here for folks to understand um, how to protect themselves and you know what they should be doing in the middle of all this. So remind us how coronavirus spreads. Coronavirus spreads like many other viruses such as influenza. We know that for sure. Um, there's still 
scientists and research physicians trying to look at the ways that it spreads, but we know for sure it spreads through respiratory droplets. So a cough can travel and, you know, the, the droplets can travel, um, we think, up to six feet. So someone can certainly catch it if uh, someone coughs and it's in the uh, air in that way. Um, it also will land on a surface. And if you touch that surface and then bring your hand to your uh, face, you can catch it that way as well. So that's why we recommend that you keep your hands clean, especially after touch surfaces. And if you touch a surface, certainly you want to have your hands clean before you would touch your face area. There might be a decrease um, in transmission if you're wearing a mask so that if you're within six feet of someone and those droplets are carrying and you have a mask, there is less transmission that way. So those are the main ways um, that you get. So essentially, you can breathe it in if you're close enough to someone who has it. And you can also bring it onto your face um, if you touch something that's, that has virus on it, and then you, you, you can catch it that way as well. That's why I recommend hand washing as one of the major ways to, uh, to prevent transmission. And is it clear that you can get sick from people who don't have symptoms? We do know that people who get COVID-19 get it in different ways so that someone can have very minimal symptoms and they're at that time likely infectious and unable to spread it. So if you're going to a large gathering, someone may have very minimal symptoms, a low-grade fever that they don't even know, a very mild cough, and they may be able to and are probably able to transmit the virus at that time. Less is known about the ability to transmit it if, if you're completely asymptomatic, but it's certainly possible and probably more likely that there are people that are able to spread it asymptomatically. That's why it's really important to practice social distancing to keep yourself um, at least six feet away from another person because you don't know what stage they may be in. They have very mild symptoms and they may think it's fine to go out and shop or do things and you know, go to a party, those kind of, those kind of uh, possibilities. So it's, it's something that we're concerned about. And that's why uh, recommendations are that you socially distance yourself, stay six feet away from someone and only go out um, if absolutely necessary. Yeah. And I wanted to, as we wrap up here, stick on that for just a second, because I do think as the stay at home situation for people stretches into weeks and maybe even months, there'd be some temptation to cheat. I mean, people might be thinking, oh, what's, what's a, going to get a cup of coffee with a friend at their house going to hurt things in the overall picture or going to the store to get something I really want but not something I really need. What would you say as a physician to folks uh, to, to help them understand how important it is to stay with that plan of social distancing? Well, you have to understand that you may pick up this virus, um, you may not have symptoms. And we, there's so much we don't understand about why one person gets very sick. So you could take that, that virus that you pick up. If you're not practicing social distance, your friend, your family member may catch it and have a completely different response to you than you did and get very sick from it, sick to the point that they have to be on a uh, breathing machine uh, for support, sick enough, in fact, and, you know, for the possibility that, that they could die. So you have a role and a responsibility to stay away from other people and, and listen to the recommendations that are coming out um, from the uh, from the medical experts um, regarding social distancing. Um, it's it's one of the major ways we can keep people safe if we're not spreading the virus. If the virus 
has no one else to go to, the virus will die. But you spread it to another person, then that person spreads it to another person. And that's when we have the number of cases that we're seeing throughout the country. So it's an important thing to do. Again, you may yourself be perfectly fine, have minimal symptoms, but you may spread that same virus to, to someone you know, they may be the same age, they may be your parents, and they're going to get very sick from it. So, so that's why we're, we're encouraging people to heed the warnings of the experts and, and listen and practice social distancing, no unnecessary travel. Uh, it's, it's, the, it's been probably the main tool that we have to prevent spread of uh, COVID-19. Well, that's well said, and I'm glad you had an opportunity to emphasize that message. And Dr. Whitman, I want to thank you for taking the time and wish you the best of luck as you are out there treating patients in this really difficult situation. Thank you. You've been listening to Dr. Mark Whitman, a board-certified infectious disease specialist with Capital Health System. To stay up to date and fully informed on COVID-19, please visit capitalhealth.org coronavirus, where you'll find information from the CDC and other expert sources. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels or check out the full podcast library for additional topics that may interest you. Thanks for listening.